welcome to Boxel Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and loathe from a queer perspective. I'm Hamish, couldn't be prouder of you than if you were the first man on the moon, Steel. And I'm Jade, it's time to hop on the good foot and do the bad thing, Rose. <laughs> and today, we're going to light some candles. We're going to put some Barry White on in the background low. <laughs> Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about... Mm. Well, we're not going to talk about specifically about Hamish and I. We were just discussing <laughs> before we started about how we've never really, in all the things we talk about, sex isn't really one of them, either the fictional sense or our own lives, and we decided it's just the sibling vibes are too powerful. Yeah, it, it always felt a bit uncomfortable for no other reason than I think. That's just the way our friendship has been. Yeah. There are some friendships where it's all we talk about, seemingly. Yeah, I've definitely got some friends where that is um, a very but... high permanent. But no, it's taken till this episode, and quite rightly, mm. it's the sex number. We would <laughs> it, we would be lying to ourselves. We would be doing an injustice to you, our listeners, if we didn't use this opportunity to I talk about it. someone saying that they wore a shirt with 69 written on it to a um, My Brother, My Brother and Me live show. Yeah. And as they walked down the queue to get nice, to nice, the nice, end, nice, they nice. just heard, nice, 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 nice. Yeah, we're going to talk about sex because I feel like it's actually a really huge part of queer cinema and yes. all other media. Um, often it's like seen as the thing that makes something canonical. Yeah. Or um, the confirmation. The confirmation. And uh, it is in some ways. We've, I, mm, well, we've yeah. talked a lot about how other things can be confirmed in other ways before. Yeah. I mean, and we also run into the track just like queer sexuality is so heavily sexualized. Mm. And we've talked about how that's an unfair thing, how that is a homophobic or a queerphobic thing to talk about and to assume that any kind of queer relationship is inherently sexual. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, so much about, and I say so much about being queer is tied to sex, but the way we are portrayed mm. in media um, are so often seen as this deviant thing. Sex is part and parcel of that, but also, which is a negative thing, but also sex is good <laughs> is the thing. Sex, no, sex can be good and amazing. Sex, I'm a sex positive person. Yeah. Uh, it's something I'm happy to talk about, albeit not with Hamish. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my point is, um, often queer sex is very stigmatised. Mm-hmm. Uh, seen as this alien, this dangerous thing. Oh, pearls clutching. But often the portrayals of queer sex can be very... Um, Leveling the playing field, just like, oh, look, they have sex just like regular people, mm -hmm. which is a horrifying thing to say, but also it normalises us. Yeah, I don't think any queer sex scene, you can't do, none of them exist in a vacuum. And mm -mm. I think every single one of them is meaning something, whether it's for comedy or for romance or for drama or whatever. Yeah. Um, some sex, queer sex scenes especially have like a shock value element. Definitely. Or... I think it's very... Or it's done to provoke, whether in a... Yeah. Or deliberately, on the part of queer filmmakers, weaponising our own sexuality. It's like, no, we're here. We're queer. Get used to this. <laughs> Here's two blokes' dicks at the same time. <laughs> They're nowhere near a lady. Um, and I think that, yeah, I think a lot of this has to do with who is making this. Absolutely. Who is this intended for. Yes. Um, and... 
I don't know. There's lots of different examples of it. So we're going to try and yeah. talk through. Uh, one thing that you put, brought out or pointed out uh, while we were having lunch was a point you wanted to raise about the point that a sex scene has. Yes. And I think that's probably a really good place to start the discussion. Well, I think sex scenes, um, you know, queer or straight, um, for me, remind me a lot of musical numbers or fight scenes. They take a lot of elaborate choreography. You <laughs> have to be really true. careful how you shoot them. Timing yeah. is everything. Absolutely. <laughs> um, it's probably like it's the most exciting thing to watch, but probably the most boring thing to film. Uh, the thing you really don't want your parents to come in while you're watching it. No, that's definitely just sexy. Um, and I think what I mostly mean is there are moments in which, um, if done poorly, the story stops and we just see some sort of indulgence. Yeah. Um, and the best ones are when it does progress the story or the characters. Mm-hmm. We learn something new. Yes. It's there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um that said, I will pretty much take any musical number in anything. Uh-huh. Um, whereas sex scenes do sometimes feel... you. It's hard to describe, but you always know when one's not right. Yeah, you. I. it happens a lot. And I won't say this regarding, because I've not. I've yet to encounter something I'm watching with a queer sex scene that feel, where I'm just like, mm. can this be done? Plenty of times with straight sex scenes. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, can we get back to the story? I always Please. think about Die Another Day because... Is there a sex scene in Die Another Day? So there's quotation mark sex scenes in... All Bond movies? Yeah, the majority of Bond movies. But up until Die Another Day, most of them would be like... Heavy flirting. Like lots of kissing and then Bond, like a, a sheet goes over and we pan away. Yeah, and the morning after you might see people in bed together. Die Another Day was the first in which we witnesses we witnessed James Bond's O face. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember it making a lot of people really uncomfortable. Um, I'll I, piss. Because James Bond's, for whatever reason, it's a film that a lot of families see together. I think that's what it is. Like I joked before about it's this thing that you don't want your parents to see you watching. And I think that part of that, I feel, is a Western thing. Mm. Um, America has its own specific hang-ups about the portrayal of sex in media. Yeah. And I'm not saying the UK or British people are free of that. Uh, but I think we tend to react in a different way. British people are very prone to giggling. Yes, or even in something you're enjoying, the kind of, like, nasal exhale to, like, acknowledge of what we're watching. Yeah. It's just like... <laughs> yeah, um, this is inappropriate. I'm going to talk a little bit later or j- throughout about um, with me and three other people, we have a little Walthamstow Queer Film Club. Yeah. Um, and we've done one week of um, women loving women yeah. films and we just did our men loving men films. Yeah. So some interesting differences between the two. Yeah. But even in like beautiful romantic, beautifully yeah. shot love scenes, everyone in the room has to do a little like, yep, we've yep. just seen a booby, or yep. we've just seen a willy. Yeah. And... It's one of those things where I have watched so many movies with different people over the years. I think regardless of who I'm with, and this might be a partially an autism thing, mm. whenever there's a sex scene, even if I'm watching a movie with my significant other or with a person that I have had sex with and will likely have sex with again, mm. I sort of still part of me goes, hmm, and I kind of sink into myself a little bit. That said, a uh, very amusing moment. It was when we, uh, 
maybe that's better now I've gotten older because I distinctly recall when I went to see Crimson Peak, um, I was with my sister. We were talking about sibling things and... um, (laughs) Talking of sibling things. Talking of sibling things. Well, that was not the thing I meant. What a great little play on words. Anyway, uh, but I was there with my sister and uh, with G, my partner. Mm. And there was obviously the very lovely sex scene between Enid and... Tom Hiddleston's character. Tom Hiddleston's butt. <laughs> Basically, when the camera panned out, bless Guillermo de Toro for sexualizing the man more than mm. the woman in a sex scene. But me and my sister, both our heads cocked to the right to, <laughs> at the same moment. And I think G was left feeling a little bit like, this moment is not for me. She's like, nope, you just carry on, dear. We're just going to enjoy this view. Yeah. Um, it reminded me, I think partly because of his hair and the mm. amount of male butter, it reminded me of the infamous sex scenes from The Room quite a bit, Yeah. but shot by a competent director. <laughs> um, yeah, no matter who the genders or whatever of anyone involved, sex scenes do come with a slight uncomfortableness. Yes. Um, which is why sometimes the funny ones uh, are... So good. Yeah, they're quite disarming. I think part of it is, is because... I mean, obviously, I can't speak for people that are, are voyeurs because also this is not going to be a kink-shaming thing. No. That's not what we're about. Kink-shaming is my kink. <laughs> so, um, but also, it feels like you're intruding on something. Mm. And I think that's part of what it is like, oh, this is a, mo- a private moment that's happening between people. I should not be witness to this because this is theirs, even though it's fictional. And this has been created for me, a viewer, to see. Part of my brain is just like, this isn't for me. Mm. It's for them. Yeah. I think think maybe that's part of my own personal discomfort sometimes watching sex scenes. But you're right, with the funny ones, you're just sort of just like, maybe because it feels more grounded, more real. And I think that's when the queerness uh, uh, becomes tricky. Because I think we were talking a bit about a sex scene... um, I think the the tall guy. The tall guy, yeah. Um, uh, between Jeff Goldblum and Emma Thompson. And which um, some toast gets stuck to, to his butt. butt. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they, like, the whole thing is them sort of rolling around the room. There's a yeah. shot of a cactus on top of a piano wobbling slightly. <laughs> it's very funny. It is. It's And it feels very real. Mm. Um, and I think the thing that's tough with doing a comedy queer sex scene yes. is how much is... Are we... Laughing at them? Yeah, it reminds me a lot... I, I've said before, I think, how a lot of... Uh, the lowest... <laughs> a joke I see on Saturday Night Live all the time... Yeah. ...is, isn't it funny to see these guys kissing? Yes. And I think there can be an element of that... Yes. done badly. Uh-huh. Um, but there are some, like, examples of funny queer sex scene where I feel like we're laughing at a different element... Yeah. I wish I knew the name of it, but I've seen um, a clip from, uh, a, I think, a comedy show in which a guy is getting pounded away uh-huh. on a kitchen table and he's, like, asking about, like, where they got everything in the house okay. while it's happening. And yeah. the person... Pounding. Um, pounding. is uh, Actually, we can't be prudish in this episode. Yeah. Uh, is, like telling him to shut up and like, I don't know, just like Ikea or something. It's like, those are from Ikea? You built that? And it's like, shut up. And it's like, I just, it looks like, you know, <laughs> it's just really funny. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was at the porno that I saw the meme of, which is just like, really? In front of my salad? <laughs> <laughs> so, that's like, there is, there isn't, I don't know if, okay, so recently, have you seen any of the memes about 
cock destroyers. No! (laughs) (laughs) I would remember that! So there's this British um, straight female porn star. Um, She's called Rebecca Moore. Uh Uh-huh. And she puts up these videos which, like, advertising her, like, uh, OnlyFans or sex Patreon account or whatever. Okay. But she's really funny and weird. Uh She's got huge buzzwams. Buzzwams. <laughs> she's often dressed in very little. Yeah. And she's got these huge lips. But and she, but she's got this kind of like West Country accent. Oh my God, like, this is amazing. And she's just like, do you know what I am? I'm a cock destroyer. I'm going to destroy whatever cock I see. <laughs> and like, anyway, she's been, there's been articles written about the fact that gay fans mm. have like, well, she suddenly has this gay following, even though she's yeah. advertising straight sex. Yes. And I genuinely think in a lot of gay porn, there's this, like, weird, ironic humour. Yeah. So there's been a lot of clips on Tumblr of, like, the first ten minutes of porn in which nothing actually sexual happens. Yeah. Or something is sexually happening, but really, in front of my salad... Yeah. Like, I sometimes think the... the uh, obligatory female character in gay porn gets the best lines. Yeah. <laughs> She's probably having a great time. Yeah. The only other porn I really know the beginning of that got memed was the one about the lemon tree. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we haven't looked at our lemon tree for five seconds. Oh, no, a lemon whore. Um, yeah, there's just... Whatever. This isn't mm. we're talking, we're talking about porn. I just think there is a certain element of irony to mm. some of this, like, humorous side of Yes. Sex. Yes. And I think it sometimes is in, in movies. I... Wanted to talk a little bit about two shows called, um, which I mentioned many times, Please Like Me. Mm-hmm. There's also a show called Looking. Yeah. Um, and both of them, uh, a pet peeve of mine. Yes. In, again, all cards of tail, this is a um, embarrassment free episode as much as we can. Yeah. Pet peeve of mine in Queer Cinema is Spitter's Lube. Uh huh. <laughs> there are so many. Um, basically, it's very rare in a film in which you see lube or condoms. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, they're not considered, like, in-the-moment passionate things. Yeah, and to be fair, this is true of straight sex scenes as well. Um, but the reason I do like Please Like Me and Looking is that they both feature, like, extensive scenes of that. Uh Uh-huh. And, like, douching Uh and lots of other things that you don't see anywhere. Yeah. Um, and I think you can tell that those are both written by queer people. Yes. Um, I think sometimes the the it's all part of the way, and this is something I've discovered in the Queer Film Club. Yeah. Very general, and we'll talk about examples going forward. Mm-hmm. Is on the whole... <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I... <laughs> I'm sorry, there's going to be a lot of this. Yes. On the whole, uh, queer sex scenes between women, I feel, lean more in a artistic and... Look how passionate and romantic this is. Yeah. Whereas I find a lot of male sex scenes is like kind of a fight. Yes. It's like a really aggressive element. Yeah. 
often I think it's because a lot of queer cinema about men is about them like discovering that they like this is their first time and they're like discovering it and yeah they don't know how to be open with another man unless it's aggressive yeah but it does mean it's actually quite rare to see men enjoying each other yeah um quick pause neither of us have seen uh call me by your name no. my understanding is that the sex scene between i can't even remember army hammer and timothy chamelay is quite because it's a young man mm. my understanding about it i may be woefully misinformed in which case i apologize profusely but no i think you're right i think that speaks to an innate way about the way female sexuality and male sexuality tends to be portrayed on a wider scale as yeah. well which is problematic ding, ding. <laughs> for a number of reasons yeah i mean two um two examples i can think of yeah um so the film god's own country yeah i haven't seen it yet but it's on my to watch list first time i saw it i did not like it no this is the one about the sheep farmer yeah and the reason I didn't like it is that I found the main character a really horrible person. He, um, it's a love story between a uh, sheep farmer, like a, a, the son of a farmer who works on the farm. And a hired hand. And a hired hand. Who's um, an immigrant worker. From Romania. Me? Yeah. And for a lot of the film, he's really like xenophobic and horrible to him. Mm. And he calls them horrible things. Yeah. Um, and their love story starts kind of when the Romanian guy like threatens him and like says stop calling me that mm. and they stare lovingly to, into each other's eyes when he's pressed up against the wall and it that really threw me the wrong way when yeah. I first saw it okay we watched it again for the queer film club mm. and like 10 minutes in I was sobbing thinking how wrong I was yeah. I've never like 180'd on a film as hard as I have before yeah and I think it's because this was actually deconstructing that trope of the aggressive um, sure. sex scene I really hate. Yeah. So for uh, I noticed, which I didn't really notice the first time, yeah. that the main character, you see him have a few sex scenes with other men. Yeah. And in those scenes, um, the partner is like always goes in to kiss him and then he like pushes him away. Right. And it's all it's just quite physical. Yeah. And you got, don't get any sense of like life on it from his face. Yeah. Enjoyment. And then the first sex scene well there's like kind of a similar like aggressive sex scene between him and the love interest. And then yeah. you see another one mm. when just like the feeling of someone like touching him very gently yeah anywhere on his body like his arm is like he can't even breathe like it's so yeah. life-changing to him uh-huh and like it was really i didn't really catch that first time i think i was so put off by like the way he was talking to him and yeah stuff like that yeah which i can see why they did now it would be silly to not the type of film it's doing the type of realism it's doing it would be silly not to address that yeah um but yeah, it was interesting watching because often I feel like there's one way this film decides to do sex scenes. Yes. It's actually interesting watching a film gradually shift how it's telling sex scene story and why they're, why they're there. That's really cool. Each one is like showing you where this character is on their journey. Mm. Um, and they get more tender as they go on. Yeah. Until like just them looking at each other is one of the most like 
the romantic things you've ever seen. That's awesome. It's very, very sweet. I think it, if it, yeah, it can, it can be off-putting, but it's telling a story. Yes. It knows what it's doing. Yes. Um, and just briefly, the other example, which is what my, the quote that my title mm. came from is Weekend. Yeah. Um, where, again, they have sex scenes, they, there's two main characters, basically about a one-night stand that lasts a bit longer. Yeah. A weekend. Um, mm-hmm. And like, again, it has various sex scenes which show a different part of their relationship where one is the one-night stand, yeah. one is the maybe we could be something more. And it's, again, it doesn't do any of that aggressiveness. Mm. It's actually interesting seeing a queer filmmaker make a film and it's showing that a one-night stand can be tender and it's about two people having fun yeah. and enjoying themselves. And I just think that's an element that typically I find in the more oscar baity yes. type of films where it's more appealing to the presumed straight audience who can't possibly conceive of maybe two men being tender with each other. Yeah. That it has to be about, um, you know... They're, they're making out, but they're also fighting this, like, inner demon. And yeah. I'm not saying that's not true of a lot of people, but it's yeah. just so refreshing to see a scene in which two men are actually there because they are both wanting to do this and enjoy it. Yeah. There's no, like, conflict in their brain about what this means. Yeah. I mean, I suppose while we're talking about that, in contrast to that, and I feel it's probably important to talk about it in the context of queer sex scenes, but also, like, the portrayal of queer intimacy mm. uh, is Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. Because obviously everybody thinks they know that Brokeback Mountain is the cowboy fucking movie. Mm. And everyone talks about the bareback sex scene. Yeah. And it's like... I've seen that movie. It's been a long time ago. I haven't seen... I don't think I've seen it since the only time I saw it. Yeah. On reflection, I watched it with somebody who had a lot of homophobia who just kept it to himself for my sake as a queer person. Mm. Eh. But the relationship between, I can't even remember their names, but Jake Gyllenhaal and yeah. uh, Heath Ledger's characters, well, you're talking about the angsty stuff around it, but some of the the, the rawest moments of intimacy aren't when sex is happening. Yeah. But... I always, when I watched that scene, I didn't feel like it was, I'm trying to work out what point it is I'm trying to say. The choice to have them do that, I suppose, again, I don't know the novel that it's based on, written by a lady, so I don't know what that says of things, but there was a need for those two characters to connect in that moment, and that's more what it was about. It wasn't there to titillate an audience Mm. or anything like that. But I think it, it speaks to what you were saying. And I can't remember enough about the film to comment about what you were saying about, like, the the aggressiveness of my sexuality and, and I things like, like that. that. I do like that film. I think um, it's no labels are said, but I do think it's um, more the story of two bisexual men. This slash, is true. I do think um, Heath Ledger is bisexual. Both of them have um, relationships with women, and I think... Mm-hmm. The, we're supposed to think Heath Ledger's a lot more genuine because I yes. think Jake Gyllenhaal's a lot more like unhappy in that relationship yeah um, but I think I, it's not that I don't think you can have this conflict it's, I think it's it's refreshing when you 
don't have it. Yes. I do think maybe Brokeback Mountain, Brokeback Mountain started a trend, trend. on how, you suppo- how you're supposed to visualise these things. Yeah. Well, that one won an Oscar. So, you know, mm-hmm. you know it's good. Um, I just think... Uh, <sighs> The thing with that scene in particular is, like I was saying, it's like it is telling a story. Mm. I think in that in that film, Jake Gyllenhaal is pushing for that. He's the one. He's clearly a lot more experienced experienced in that world, and it's a lot more about Heath Ledger's like he's a very solitary, very like he's an introverted person. Yeah, and it's actually a huge moment for him to like go into the tent willingly to yeah, and to have this moment. Yeah. Um, I just think, maybe I don't think anything, maybe I just like that. It's just that it's one example. Yeah. And there's so much else you can yeah. do. But like you said, there's so many reasons to have a sex scene. Sometimes, and like you said about the good ones further the story, mm. but sometimes in the name of servicing story, uh, sometimes they are there to be erotic and tintillating and to evoke that kind of reaction in an audience. Sometimes they're meant to shock. Sometimes they're meant to make us confront things about ourselves or about the characters. Sometimes they're there to make us laugh, but also to tell us something about who these people are. Sometimes they're deeply romantic. Mm. I think about a moment in um, I Love You, Philip Morris. Oh, it's a good film. It's a good film, um, but it's narrated by Jim Carrey's character. Yeah. And he's narrating the first part of the film and telling you everything about his life. And then it cuts to him having sex with someone. Mm. And when the person he's having sex with uh, leans up into frame and it's like a, a bald masculine guy with a beard, mm. um, I think it's half meant to shock and amuse. Yeah. But it's half like you've got to know this character. Mm. These are all the interesting things about him. This is number five on the list. Yeah. Um, and obviously that's based on a true story. Yes. Um, and that film has other sex scenes. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's a film with a very bouncy tone, so all of them have like an element of yeah comedy. Yeah. But I don't... That's an element where I don't mind it being a shock moment. Yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um I think it depends what kind of what the shock is in aid of. But like speaking of like pure titillation. Yeah. Sometimes if that is shot well enough. Yeah. I think it's fine. Yeah. And I'm not saying a sex scene can't just be there to be sexy. I'm thinking this is something I'm thinking about the difference right between how the Wachowskis uh filmed the sex scene in Found yes. the first film, and where they eventually got to with Sense Eight. Yes, I'm not saying I don't. I think Sex and Bound's great. Yeah, but it feels different. It feels different. Both of them, I would I would say, are a kind of break in the narrative a little bit. Yeah, but they are saying something about the characters. Yes, but I think with Sense Eight, it's it's. When the sex scenes in Sense8 begin, they feel quite, like, there for sex's sake. Yeah. Um, you haven't seen the finale, have you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, good. I forgot. I've got friends who I assumed would have. Yeah, no, I, I have f- very much seen okay. the, the Sense8 finale. What I'm saying is that by the end of Sense8, you realise that's actually been what the show's about. Yes. And it knows that that's what the audience likes. 
Yes. Um, and it felt like a huge just like thank you to the audience. Yes. And I felt that was beautiful. Yes. Um, whereas I think there's an element in Bound based on when the film came out that it, it is an element of shock. Yes. Or like, you bet you haven't seen this before, kind of. Yeah. And it's interesting coming from creators who, whether they knew themselves or not, weren't out yeah. when making that film. Yes. And I presume maybe at the time yeah. discussion was had on how can, please forgive me, but how can these men make a film about yeah. lesbian women? Well, it's interesting because uh, specifically on Bound, they brought in a technical advisor, Susie mm. Bright. Yeah. Uh, and literally her role in the, uh, is in the listing is technical advisor <laughs> they brought her on for the sex scene yeah to advise um this is a woman that also has the moniker Susie sexpert um <laughs> and she was there to advise on making it look they didn't want it to look like the kind of sex that women have in porn for men yeah they wanted it to look like this is an act of intimacy between these two women it yeah. should feel like female sexuality for women, not female sexuality for the male gaze. Even though the film, arguably given the genre as well, was very much more of a film that you might see uh, targeted at men. But this idea was it was a lesbian mm. gangster noir thriller. That was the whole point. And yeah. it had a queer sensibility to it. And let me tell you, that sex scene is good. Yeah. It's really that's good. What I, that's what I'm trying to say. I feel like it's interesting looking at something from something that would have been read, directed by a different person than... It, I don't know, I can't think of another example of someone directing a film yeah. when not out. Yes. And then directing something. Yeah, seeing are. the change in... And if there is a change, yeah. maybe it's actually the same, but it's just when mm. you think of it differently. Yeah, I would also argue that uh, the reason why sex is being used is different in sense like compared yeah, to Bound. Yeah. And uh, the genre of the show itself changes it i think in in the way that the wakowski shoots us and i think this is true of the sex scene in matrix reloaded sex scenes in wakowski films and kelsey tv show always feel very there's a genuineness to the sexuality to mm. it i remember people making fun of the sex scene in matrix reloaded, reloaded probably because it was happening at the same time as the rave <laughs> like and it's cut cutting between the yeah. two, but the sex scenes always feel like it's about connection between the people involved, especially mm. with Sensei. Yeah, which is the point. I mean, one of the things I love about Sensei sex scenes from a queer perspective mm. is the idea of uh, people are having sex with their partners. Yes. The fact that they, in some way they're actually gaining pleasure from other people having mm. sex with their partners, regardless of gender and yes. sexual... Like, for example, Will. Yeah. If we discuss his sexuality, he has... He is a man who has had sex with men, technically. Yeah. And received pleasure from men. But he thinks of himself as... Or at least at the beginning, he thinks yeah. of himself as straight, which is uh, why that moment when he meets Leto in mm. person, just like, oh, we had sex, and we're just sort of like, ah. Oh. Yeah. And I, I, but I think even the other way where there's characters which I would consider lesbians, yes. even if, like, an element of it is a man, it, it's, it's just very interesting in kind of, like, breaking down, like, you know, it, it's kind of like everyone's naked and it... 
it's doesn't beautiful. matter who's in what what's you know who's what's going where? on yeah and like i'd say it's the only time in you know my limited what i've seen i've yeah. ever seen a trans woman in a sex scene yeah um yeah i think and i think we spoke about this in our sensei episode um possibly when we talked about the finale uh what I love about the sex scenes in Sensei, uh, and we're probably going to talk about them again, um, is I think what I like is it, you mentioned about breaking down boundaries. And I think what for me is just like, at the end of the day, this is a thing that human beings can share with each other. It's about love. It's about connection. And um, I'm I, hopefully not trying to say anything about people who are on the ace spectrum I'm not trying to imply anything that they are lesser because that isn't a part of who they are. But I feel like what Sensei is trying to tell with that is is, is just sex is just one more beautiful way that this connection is manifest between yeah. this group of individuals. And, like, it's it, if they didn't cover it, it would be a question you'd always have. Yeah. If you set up this universe in which they can sense whatever people are saying, you'd be like, well, what happens when they have sex? Yeah. Well, they answer that. Like, yeah. Quite, quickly. Yeah. Um, and I just think it's good. And, like, it wasn't just the one episode. No. It's also something that they all do for fun. Yep. Like, I don't know. It, there's a lot of interesting things happening with that. Yeah. And um, I just... I want to. I want to. Well, we'll talk about other stuff, but like because we get to say, see, the we get to see uh, straight sex mm. uh, between uh, Will and Riley. We get to see uh, queer sex, respectively, between. Uh, so I, I want to be specific. We get to see sex between gay men. We get to see sex between women who love women. We get to see polyamorous sex. And we even get a sort of element of voyeurism. Yeah. Of like um, there's definitely some sort of kinky elements as well yeah um it's just it's just interesting yeah and it's beautiful and the fact that again i'm gonna always be very happy that the final shot of sensei is on a rainbow covered dildo that's clearly just been used yep and that's and it's shot beautifully because mm. sex isn't something to be ashamed of yeah because so often we're told that we should be well we mentioned in our gay best friend episode how there's the other way where gay characters have often been incredibly sexless. Yes. Um, either they're over-sexualized and mm. it's considered all that is to it. Yeah. Or it's sort of a, a tricky thing. It's muted. It's... Yeah. So I, I think the, the examples we're saying are all times where we think the balance has been struck right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I suppose uh, it was something that you wrote down and I, I'd like to talk about. Um, about if we could remember the first queer sex scene we saw, straight sex, if not. But I want to give a shout-out to something that was really interesting for me. Uh, there was a documentary that Channel 4 did back in 2003. Mm. Uh, it was voted for by the general public, which is 100 Greatest Sexy Moments. And I watched that. I think I had it taped to VHS so I could re-watch it mm. and I would fast-forward through the boring bits. All the <laughs> stuff that wasn't relevant to my sexuality. Yeah. But what... And I knew I was queer at that point in my life. But what I found um, refreshing was that the top ten isn't all straight moments. Um, one of the scenes in the... I've got a list here. Uh, the number two moment is the kiss between Selma Blair and Sarah Michelle Gellar in Cruel Intentions. Mm -hmm. um, queer as Folk is number seven. Mm. And I think it's this, I forget the character. who uh, It's Charlie Hunnam's character. Uh, the first time we see him getting rimmed. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing that going, huh? And my brain was just like, 
Okay, well, that looks intriguing. Well, that's... So, I mean, A... Yeah. That's an example of something that is very, very common in gay sex. Yeah. But would never be in a film. Mm-hmm. Like, I do think TV and film have different kind of yes. levels of how far they're going to go. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things where that isn't... That's, so Queer as Folk is written by a gay person yeah. for presumably mostly a gay audience. Yeah. Um, that's very different to an Oscar Beatty kind of film. Yes. Where an element like that might make you not like to a presumably straight audience might make you not like that character anymore yes. or make them or be suspicious of them yeah um i have issues with queer folk more because i watched it at the wrong time yes my own coming out story and it, yeah you, you've said um, you've talked before quite candidly about but that it. also might have been the first real time i saw it yeah um i definitely remember like this this is much later than it should have been but i definitely remember um Torchwood being really awkward for me because yeah. I wasn't out yet and I watched it all with my brothers yeah. and it definitely goes some places. Yeah, they make choices. They make choices. We we are a mm-hmm. Torchwood slight apologist podcast. Yeah. Um, one thing that, uh, again, I saw, I first saw clips from Bound watching mm. that documentary. It was a film I never knew about and I sought out that film entirely because of that. Uh, Tipping the Velvet, I would not have known about without this hundred great sexy moments. And oh there's this it's it's really hot uh scene. It's Anna Chancellor. Mm-hmm. So much of my sexuality coming in later regarding that. But Tipping the Velvet's great because it has male impersonators in it as well. And there's a wonderful queerness inherent with the characters there. And there's a lot of sex scenes in Tipping the Velvet, uh mm-hmm. based on a book written by a lesbian author. Uh and there's some really funny sex scenes. But this one is very hot. I think um the characters being sort of like a kept boy mm. at this point it might be not quite the order that it happens but this uh, aristocratic lady approaches uh, our protagonist and wanting to hire them uh, hire her mm. just like no you don't understand i'm a boy i'm not a boy or she's like, I don't, you don't understand a girl and she's like oh i know what you are that's why i want you mm. and there's this great scene uh with a with a strap on in a victorian drama mm. and i remember seeing that and going Huh. And that's why queer sex scenes are important. Mm. Because, like, you see things that you learn, oh, that is a thing. And that's why queer sex scenes created by queer people. Showing up. Now, this is what it's, like well, like you said about, um, was it Please Like Me and, and Looking? Yeah. It's like, the difference between sex scenes portrayed by, uh, queer sex scenes portrayed by people that know what they're talking about mm. compared to people that don't is striking. It's like so tiny element that I've I in Deadpool uh-huh. there's the montage of the sex, which I think is a really funny scene. Yeah. Um I would have preferred the moment. Uh-huh. Like I do think it's a funny scene. Woman's Day. Yeah, where <laughs> basically you cut to a bunch of sex scenes of them having sex vaguely, themed around holidays. Vaguely themed around holidays. Yeah. And for International Women's Day... Um, Vanessa pegs him. Yes. And I just kind of wish on his face he seemed to be enjoying it more. Like, the joke seems to more be like... He's doing it for her. Yeah. But I kind of feel like it'd be, it would have been really interesting if he was having a good time. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they addressed that at all in Deadpool 2. No. But I think... Um, I do think sex queer sex scenes... For straight audiences can be an element that really humanises yes. queer characters. Uh-huh. Um, 
maybe Queer Sex doesn't look so scary when you actually just see it. And it's like, oh, yeah. it's just as gross as every yeah. other guy's huh. sex. I kind of want to just make a note that I would really like to see instances of uh, women and femme-identified people pegging men. I feel mm-hmm. like that would be an interesting thing to see more of or discussed more. Though, oh, was it? I think it's a Tumblr post. I think this was um, something you mentioned in our document about topping and bottoming mm. and um, just a conversation why straight people shouldn't be allowed to have access to these terms, <laughs> which is a, somebody say, a, like someone talking to a girl at work. It's just like, oh, yeah, I top my husband all the time. It's just like, mm. you peg him. It's just like, no, I'd like to be on top during sex. It's just like, oh, that's, that's not <laughs> what that means. Yeah. I I sometimes so I'm going to talk a little bit about topping and bottoming because I think well a a for example a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a um I think some people some nerds first encounter some queer nerds first encounter sex scenes through fan fiction absolutely and I we've talked a lot about the good of fan fiction I think it is really cool and good and there's a lot of great examples. But I do think sometimes ideas of what happens during, I'm going to say from my own reading, yeah, what happens during sex between men as... You can say anal sex if you like. Well, because sometimes I'm very confused what's even going on. I mean, part of this is when just writing sex scenes with both pronouns being the same is tough. Yep. Um, but the list of things that have been used for lube... There is the infamous list online of just, like, inappropriate lubes. The idea of what's just going on and where pleasure is coming from. Yeah. I mean, it's... to. Oh, sorry not to overrun, please mm. come up again, but a lot of um, guy-on-guy sex is written from the perspective of straight women. Mm. It's just like... And you can tell that reading it because a lot of it is just like... Anal sex as effectively allegory or as parallel to um, PIV sex. Uh, so in case people don't know, like, uh, penis and vagina. Mm. Well, like, I... Um, I've, sometimes people say, oh, read this manga, it's so gay, mm. when it's not. But sometimes when it comes to, like, queer manga, like, erotica... Yes. The thing that actually puts me off is all the characters involved constantly reassuring themselves that they're not gay, or this doesn't make you gay, don't worry. Ugh. And it's like, am I supposed to be aroused by being characters? Shamed. Being shamed, yeah. And I think there's a, I think that happens in fan fiction a lot, where the, the sex scene always has to be about, and this is why I'm talking about topping and bottoming. Yes. I'm, I get very uncomfortable by fandoms like, so oh, and so is such a top, so and they are such a bottom, and this like prescribing of personalities based on that. But yeah, and, it, and because often... no, but Hamish, don't you understand? You foolish, <laughs> foolish gay boy. No, that's what it means. It feels very much like who's the boy and who's the girl, doesn't it? Though, and it's really, it's just not funny. No, to me. Um, I don't see it as like. Uh, it feels very much about me rather than for me. That kind of discussion. Yeah. And so I just often find in sort of fan fiction, I can sort of tell where it's coming from and the yeah. the whole top-bottom decision feels very much like a, well, which one of these is the weaker of the two? Yeah. And, like, also I see a lot of conflating topping and bottoming with uh, 
gumming and subbing. Mm. Nope, these are not equivocal things. They are different things. And that's cool. But people who maybe don't know, who only come across like the terminology and think that's what it means. Mm. I mean, to be a switch is not the same thing to be a verse. Mm. To be a top is not the same thing to be a dom. These or a are... side. You told me this term before. Um, someone that doesn't like either, doesn't like anal. Yes. Yeah. Will do any other kinds of sex. Yeah. Um, there's a comic book called Apollo and Midnighter from DC. Uh huh. One of the more prominent um, queer like couples in DC. Yes. They're they're meant they're, they're analogous to they're analogous of Superman and Batman as yeah. a couple. Um, and they. Uh, had the beginnings of a sex scene in, a, in an episode a few years ago, which implied that Midnighter, the, the Batman, the Batman is the bottom. Uh-huh. And I remember this actually being uh, quite a big moment in the terms that they had always been assumed the other way, just because one is the nice, sensitive one, and one is the rough one, uh-huh. and that's just not the case in anything I've experienced in my life. And yeah. I don't know, it, it it's so much... And the, and the fact that people are one or the other, um, I don't know. The, I, I I think in the second half we're going to talk more about, like, um, sex scenes that are more um, implied. Yeah. Maybe? And, like, th- things that aren't sex scenes. And I think... Maybe I'll talk about it now. I'm going to talk briefly about Oi Sunny. <laughs> Please. <laughs> don't worry, this is relevant. Um... I've, it's a show I've talked about a few times. Not everyone's cup of tea. It's a character called Mac, who for about 11 seasons was closeted, um, slash not written as gay until about halfway through the run. Um, it's not a perfect show by any stretch. They've done a lot of shitty things. And I always wanted the character Mac to come out. And he finally did. And I actually didn't like the way he was written when he came out. Yeah. Um, the writers seem to think that the thing that made him gay was specifically the kink for having stuff done to his butt. Right. And it really kind of bothers me, in a general sense, that there's so many men in the world that don't realise that they have a G-spot up their butt. Yeah. And because they are straight, they will never discover this. Yeah. And the shame that's put on like the idea of pegging and stuff, and that, that must make them gay when that doesn't... I, I completely separate the... Act of... Act of having... Prostate stimulation? Prostate stimulation and wanting to romantically be with men. They're completely different fucking things. And I think Always Sunny really messed up for a, lot, for a couple of seasons thinking that that's what Mac's about. Yeah. And I was kind of wondering, like, the way they're writing this, I don't actually think he is gay because they're writing it so sloppily. I, I think the twist is going to be he's not. He just likes to be pegged, basically. Yeah. But... They did an episode, the finale of the most recent series, called Mac Finds His Pride. Mm-hmm. And Always Sunny sometimes does episodes where things are a little meta. Yes. They've done a few episodes where when they're talking about the bar, they are actually talking about the show. Yes. They've done episodes about how their bar never wins awards. And they've done episodes how people don't like their bar because everyone's shouting all the time. And yeah, It's really yeah. offensive in there. Uh-huh. And they did this... They did an episode about... Um, the bar is doing a float in Pride. Okay. And they need Mac to dance on the Pride float, even though he doesn't want to. Because he's the gay. And they say, let's just get a straight guy to do it. And he says, people will complain if a straight guy is doing it. It won't be authentic. 
And it's clearly talking about the fact yeah. that they haven't written him well enough. The show is actually often... It, it's like an interesting show in actually kind of listening to feedback. Yeah. Um, they made Matt come out because the year before they did like a fake coming out and they realised that really hurt people. Yes. So they did like a more authentic one. And they have this con- long conversation about like, it's not right, it's whatever. And in the... <laughs> there's also a line about how... So, uh, Frank, Danny DeVito's character, does say, like, why are you taking this so seriously? And Charlie says, like, we're taking this incredibly seriously. This is not a joke. Mm. And so the last, like, six or seven minutes of the episode Mm. is Mac coming out to his dad through interpretive dance. That's as far as the joke goes. Yeah. Like the con- the joke is Mac is coming out by doing something really stupid. Yeah, he ca- he do- he does a show at the prison where yes. he- where I forget his dad's name. That's the last joke of the episode. Just that concept. Yeah. And the rest of the episode is like a very earnest, very good dance. Number. It's it's a beautifully choreographed routine. It's um, Mac and a female dancer, mm. and. Not far be it from me to be an expert on interpretive dance, but I believe the lady is meant to like sort of represent his faith. Yes, he mentions briefly throughout the episode. Although the episode starts with him very sad in his apartment, surrounded by peaches, which are Good. used as a sex metaphor in way of a name. Yeah, and he's saying that like I've been doing lots of research and I just don't know where I fit in. Yeah, and he talks a lot about how he has never quite worked out where he is because of his strong Catholic faith. Yeah. And he says repeatedly, oh, I want to do this dance, and there's this woman, and she represents God. Yeah. And he, he does say at one point to Frank, um, oh, I'm the guy dancing, and then God is this woman, and she comes down, and we, like, dance. And Frank just goes, man, the Catholics really messed you up, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> Basically what I'm saying is that, like, this show acknowledges where it went wrong. Yes. It does something... The show never goes this long without a joke or without something yeah. earnest. And, like, there's some amazing acting from Danny Dito watching it. Yeah. I don't know why I'm bringing this up, really. I just didn't mention it on a catch-up. No, it's we want to... big part of my but, life. Uh, as an expression of sexuality. Hmm. There's ways to show it. And, like, it's a very... It's, like... I wouldn't say... It's not erotic in any way, but no. it's, like... There's sexual... There's an element of, like, a sexual charge to it. Yeah. I mean, let's just say, put it out there, Rob McElhenney did a really good job getting buffed <laughs> for this season of Always Sunny. Yeah. He also beautifully made an Instagram post about it, just like, oh, yeah, it's easy. Just cut out sugar and carbs, don't eat after seven, personal trainer, da-da-da. You too can look like this. Yeah. Um, Power to Rob McElhenney. And that's the thing. I mean, like, he's not queer. He was he's, raised... Yeah, his mum's are. His mum's and his are. brother, and like, queer brother, yeah. gay brother. And I think he wanted to do good kind of did some sloppy ally choices. And is to him trying to do better? Yeah, and kind of calling himself out, which I think is kind of interesting. May we all be so brave. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's uh, let's have a quick break. Yeah. And uh, we'll uh, get back to sexiness after. It's the middle of the sections. It's the middle section of the show. <laughs> section of the show. Section. Let's have some Gatorade. Let's have a breather. <laughs> Get our electrolytes back up. Oh, after all that sex talk, I'm feeling a little bit thirsty, ironically. Could I interest you in <laughs> Fadiman Fantasy? 
<laughs> Shit, I can't even speak. In Beastly Beverages, Phantom and Fantasy, Luxury, Ham-Blended, Loose Leaf Tea. Also, two related geeky paraphernalia. They're our wonderful sponsor. Beastly Beverages is queer-owned, all ingredients are organic and fairly traded, and almost all the products are suitable for vegans. They also have a sponsor code. It's problematic. It really is. It's it's No, it's the word problematic. <laughs> if you type in problematic when on checkout, you get 10% off of your order, and Beastly Beverages ships worldwide. So, you know, do that. BeastlyBeverages.com, I believe, and there's also the Patreon, Twitter, Tumblr, Tumblr, Instagram, Instagram, etc. Also, we're going to give a quick shout out to a couple of podcasts. First off, Dungeons and Queers, an all trans, all queer actual play D&D 5th edition podcast found on iTunes and Google Play, uh, focused on diverse characterization and good representation, specifically focusing on diverse genders, orientations, races and disabilities. And it's also deaf accessible with transcripts available. Do check it out. It's fantastic. And from the same people, there is Polyam Radio, which is a show about relationships, love and polyamory. Sophie, one of the hosts, guested on an episode of Box Not Included when we talked about polyamory. And if you're sick of uh, how the other stuff is, or maybe you're intrigued by some of our mentions of it, it's a really good place to go and to learn and to be better informed about all those kinds of wonderful love and about learning from other people's mistakes so you don't make them yourselves. Uh, you can also find that on iTunes and most other platforms. You ready for another round? Giggity. <laughs> so. Thank you for indulging my always sunny chat. I'm here for you, buddy. Um, we've talked a lot about films and TV. I did want to briefly mention, before we talk about more suggestive examples. Sure. Um, queer sex scenes and other media. Sure. Um, I'm thinking, I did mention comics, but I'm going to mention how in many ways, as often indie comics and web comics and stuff like that, has been doing this for years, doing yeah. it very well. Um, Check out Sex Criminals. Yes. Um, there's also, I mean, there's a, a independent comics company called Iron Circus. Mm-hmm. Does a lot of, like, quote-unquote, like, normal comics. Yeah. And, like, stuff and not about sex. Yeah. But is freely uh, willing to print, like, full-on erotica. Um, and there's some really good examples of it. There's this great book, which is, I can't Mm-hmm. Um, but it's about this um, kind of dom lady and all of her different like partners. Yeah. Um, and it's it's actually kind of about the relation, the sort of non-romantic relationship between two of the men mm-hmm. that she is the like partner of, okay. and how they get on, and whether they mm-hmm. have feelings for each other. Yeah. It's very interesting, and clearly written by someone who's experienced that. Yeah, and um, while I can't speak for every single comic that they've ever done because they're released so regularly, mm. but if you like adult-themed comics, um, is it Oglaf? Oh, yes. Or, or I, don't know, I can never remember if it's Oglaf or Olgaf, mm. but I have read so many, and there's always a real mix of genders and sexualities portrayed, and it tends to be very funny. Yeah. It's Lots of I, dicks. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of dicks like, and boobs. It's... it's I got to a point on my Tumblr when I had to remember that dicks are um, not something you can just scroll past and, like, it actually does shock people. And, like, yeah. oh, no, sorry, dicks. Oh. Don't mind the dicks. What <laughs> um, about the D? I'm also going to briefly say video games. Um, I've always come to the... I, I'm always grateful there is queer representation in games because it, for a long time it was assumed there never would be. Yeah. Um, but I think sometimes when you have it alongside straight sex scenes 
And like, there's no like full on sex scenes. I'm, I'm talking mostly about like Bioware games and things like that. Things like yeah. Dragon Age and Mass Effect. There's all of these scenes do like fade to black. Yes. But there is a noticeable difference in how quickly it fades to black, uh-huh. depending on who's involved. And that wasn't. I think I did mention this before on a Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah, um, I remember. People did correct me and say that they fixed it. Blah 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 blah. But I, I'm always. <sighs> Whenever I start these games now, there's always this conflict, which is I want to see myself represented. So I want to play as the man and have sex with men. Yeah. But I know it's not going to be done as well as I want. And that I would get more out of the game if I played as a woman. And I'm not saying that they do better by women, but often just the voice acting is better. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Mass Effect 3 has a real dirge of, like, male queer content, Mm. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, on that note, I want to give a shout out. I read an article, a Kotaku article about this the other day that uh, Laura K. Dale retweeted. Uh, it's about a cyberpunk dating sim mm-hmm. uh, written both by and for trans folk. Uh, it's nice. called Hard Coded. It's currently in development. You can play it in its early form by subscribing to its Patreon. And it's run by development studio uh, Fortune Virgo. Mm-hmm. But in it, I think you play an android mm. uh, who's trying to sort of figure out their sexuality and what it means. Um, but yeah, there are trans romance options and like girls with dicks mm. and like holy fucking shit. Yes, you know that's a thing. But uh, it looks really interesting, and it's a game. Um, it's one of those things where when it released is released, I might like have to re uh, reinstall Steam and mm. download it and play it myself. I mean, I I one another issue with Bioware, which I think they are fixing. I know this is a sex episode, but talking about asexuality. Yeah. In Bioware games, the only way to confirm a relationship is to agree to the sex scene. Yeah. Like, that's the ultimate end goal. And if you say no, then that, that that's the end of you dating that character. And that's... Bad. Bad. Um, speaking of games, though, in a very different sense, I'm going to very briefly give a shout-out to Monster Hearts. Yes. So when we had um, Mel Pisswitch Trender on the app on the Long way she ran. Um... Mel talked about how you can do lots of things in D&D and you can do lots of things in lots of games that aren't specifically in the rules. But when you have a rule for something, it kind of encourages you to try it. Yes. And Monster Hearts is one of the few games in which... We're talking about the sex move. Yeah. Every playbook, every different character has a sex move. Yeah. Um, They have, have like, put in stuff for asexuality as well. Right. But, um, for example, if you are playing as a werewolf and you have sex with an NPC or another player, you put your scent on them. Yeah. And you are sort of, like, linked to them. There's a mechanical reflection of the act. There's certain characters of which, like... I mean, it's a very angsty game, so it plays on very, like, teen drama stuff, but there's certain characters where, like, a part of you is lost forever. Yeah. And there's ones where you gain like someone that's positive someone that's negative yeah and it's really interesting it may it it means that as soon as you start playing it's implied that sex will happen yes and that there'll be some kind of story yeah element tied to it yes um i know a couple of the powered by the apocalypse systems apocalypse world itself mm. has sex moves yeah. and different uh takes on the system have choose to reflect these in different ways in terms of sometimes they're called intimacy moves and stuff like that but a game with such a queer focus as um and uh, I forget how to pronounce 
the writer's surname because I always say it as Adler and Adler is wrong. Mm. Um, Avery Adler. Yeah. Uh, her newest game, I apologise, her pronouns might not be, she might not be she, her pronouns, my apologies. Um, I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, but Dream Askew is coming out and I've played the, the playtest of Dream Askew which does some really good things about gender and sexuality and, mm. and stuff like that. I just think it, like when I first said this about Monster House to someone else, they said, oh, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Mm. And I was like, you don't have to be. It's not part of the game. But like, he was imagining us role playing, like I un, like I yeah. roll to unzip your trousers. Like, no, 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 no. These moves you can fade to black. It's yes. not. It's not saying that you do have to word fuck over the table. Yeah. You can if you want. But um, bow, 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 the control bow, is with you. Bow, bow. It's just it, yeah. But like, <laughs> the control is with you, and I think that's really yes. interesting because even in video games, you don't really have control. You can say yes, and then from then on, you don't really know what happens. No. But yeah. So we're going to... We we thought of some examples where sex is not actually happening. But it's clearly what is happening is analogous to sex. Alternatively, and I think this might get folded into this discussion, stuff that isn't sex but feels incredibly sexy. Yeah. And whether it's because they couldn't do it... Yeah. Or it's actually telling something else. Yes. So um, an example that instantly sprang to my mind is Willow and Tara. In bu- yeah. In Buffy. Magic was frequently throughout... I don't know if we ever saw the two of them, maybe one, I think once towards the end. We never saw Willow and Tara in bed together. Mm. What we did see was them doing magic together. Yeah. And for a lot of the time, magic was seen as... Uh, or magic was used as to sort of convey their intimacy. Yeah. It was a thing they did together. It was unique to them and their relationship. And in Once More with Feeling, you uh, (laughs) have the scene... um, What's the song called? I'm Under Your Spell. And there's the bit at the end where Tara is levitating off the bed singing about how Willow makes her complete. Oh, with some says, very interesting stress on the first syllable of complete. You make me complete. Yeah. And then it, it cuts. cuts to, I bet they're having singing right now. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I you know, I, I'm glad that it, if they couldn't do what they want to do. I maintain that's because they were chicken shits because they showed sex between the straight people all the time. Oh, yes. I mean, Buffy and Spike, like, tear down a house while fucking... Um, Literally brought the roof down. <laughs> I mean, A, <laughs> a mood, B, B. Ugh, can't you do that with Willow and Tara? But, like, yeah. they're very beautiful scenes. Yes. Um, and they're shot. It's clear that there is an intimacy between them. Yeah. And while it is a cop-out in that respect, because they weren't willing to or able to, depending on what the exact situation was, I do not know. Mm-hmm. But those scenes of them together casting these magic spells was treated with the weight and the care of sex scenes between straight characters, if yeah. not more. Yeah, I think so. I knew what was going on. Yeah. Um, another example that um, Mel sent in yeah. um, was a scene from The Handmaiden. So we put a... Which is a remake of Tipping the Velvet. Yeah. Which I'm obliged to shout out. I still need to see The Handmaiden. So um, we did a post saying, like, what was your favourite queer sex scenes? And this uh, comment is half a joke, half not. So 
Her Handmaiden does not have the same problem Buffy did, in which the film actually has lots of queer sex scenes in it. Yeah. However, the first time the two characters are intimate is when... I can't exactly remember the details, but the... um, the Handmaiden? The Handmaiden is soothing a sore inside um, the mouth of the lady. I can't remember what her title is. Um, and she's using a thimble and it's like a silent scene of her of her thumb in the other's mouth yeah. and say so looking at each other and they're just like rubbing it gently. Yeah. And I say that is a sex scene in the sense that, you know, yeah. you are intimately Yeah. Uh you know, it's 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 the set it, it becomes a set scene during it when they realise what it what means for them. Yeah. And that's what's really interesting. Yeah. I have to correct myself. It's not a take on Tipping the Velvet, it's a take on Fingersmith, but it yes. is by Sarah Waters. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which was also adapted for TV. So by all means, look that up as well. <laughs> I mean, for a long time, I thought The Handmaiden was The Handmaiden's Tale, and I was very confused because they both came out at the same time. Yeah. Um, and But, like, that that's... It's very interesting because it's, like, the first... It's kind of like the first kiss yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Um Yet both characters are still in their roles. Someone yes. is uh, servicing Same. the other. Yeah. Um, and it is really beautiful. And it's like, I think scenes like that, I was talking about how I feel like the first scene between men is often quite aggressive. Yes. And I think I'd like to see more where the first scene between them is incredibly tender. Yeah. And I don't know. That's really good. Yeah. I'm not sure if I can think of any exact. I know dancing is often used. Oh yeah. As a, a precursor to or. Yeah, Mystic Four. I mean, it's, I'm thinking of Doctor Who, in which when Captain Jack's introduced, the Doctor dances. They start this meta. Stephen Moffat uses this metaphor of dancing. Yeah. And they describe Captain Jack as he's a 51st century guy. He's less concerned of who he dances with. Yeah. And then the Doctor says, I dance. Yeah. And then in the next series, mm. it's... I, everyone has a different opinion about exactly what happened, but mm. um, Madame de Pompadour does say, I'm going to teach you how to dance. Yeah. And it's kind of... I mean, that's... So, you know, those are straight sex scenes, but it's interesting using the same metaphor they used for Captain Jack. Yeah. And who he dances with. Yeah. Um, and that's obviously, a, you know, something of a child audience in which... I mean, that's the other things. Like, how do you talk about these things... In a family. In a family's thing. Yeah. I mean, maybe you don't need to. No. But uh, we've talked... I think we've talked probably more about um, queer content made for kids than we have made for adults, probably. Yeah. Let's Okay, uh, let's talk about some sex scenes that we particularly maybe enjoyed or... We feel are noteworthy because I know there's one that you definitely wanted to mention that I feel like we should talk about. And there's one that I really like that I would like to talk about. So, are you talking about American Gods? Yeah. So American Gods is a show I didn't really like. <laughs> Fair. Um, I got what it was going for, but I, I didn't really keep up with it. Yeah. Um, but episode three um, has a very interesting sex scene, mm-hmm. and I think. One of the reasons it's interesting is that this is speculative fiction. Yes. And it's, a, it's a sex scene between a, a human and... A, an immortal being. And a, yes. A djinn, in this case. Who is 
kind of imbuing the guy with his power. Yeah. Which we see through fire entering him through having anal sex. Uh-huh. Um, it's interesting, because I remember it being talked about a lot before it happened. Yes. That they are going to show one of the more explicit sex scenes in a television yeah. show than ever before. I mean, wasn't it on Stars? Yes. Well, I think in the... in Over here, it was an Amazon yeah. show. Um, but yeah, they can get away with anything. Yeah. Um, I think one of the reasons it's considered more explicit is that um, even in movies you may see a penis but you'll never see an erect one yeah that's like the kind of it's a ratings thing yeah uh do watch if you can get a hold of a copy i have one i can lend it to people uh, this <laughs> film is not yet rated mm. uh it's a great documentary about the film classification board in the states and how um certain things can and can't be seen it's interesting talking about the dichotomy between sexuality mm. and violence and what can and can't be seen but that's me getting off topic i just wanted to mention it no it's true and it, it, it i think that was what's kind of interesting yeah and i think um another small thing but in almost all gay sex scenes i feel between uh, like for straight audiences or yeah. directed by straight people they are not facing each other. Yeah. And that's like what is considered normal. Yeah. When I would say that's not considered normal. Yeah. That's Although not the default. Not, not the default. I do think generally anal sex is facing each other, mm. which is interesting because I feel like that's very intimate. Yes. And I feel the framing of most gay sex scenes is more like we can't... It's about getting off and we can't... We can't handle our, like, This desires. isn't about emotions. This is just about desire. Yeah. Um, and I just thought it was like really beautiful, and also like the it was between two men of color. Yeah, two mis- like Mid- well, but one of them, one of them isn't human, but, but two a Middle Eastern appearing. Yeah, and like they are Muslim, and they talk about that in the scene. The the actual again a bit like the thimble scene, the scene in the taxi before when they meet. Yeah, and one of them touches the other on the shoulder. And you feel like that might be the first, like, maybe not one of the first, but, like, that is a more, um, a huge moment in yeah. terms of in- intimacy. Uh-huh. Um, that stuff. Yeah. I know, I remember reading, and I can't remember the specifics for which I apologise, but I think I saw Brian Singer, who, as a gay man, mm. is, like, shout out, but also, like, aware of things. There was a lot of talk about how to shoot that scene to make it look real and intimate Mm. so because we so rarely see that kind of sexuality portrayed yeah i just it's it's so it's hard to to describe i know we tried to do a whole episode about describing this of just like the line between like pure desire because i can't help myself and i think this is why the like all the like anime and manga examples don't ring true to me yeah is it's actually rare to see something about men who like men. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. And it's not like I can't give in to the shamefulness of wanting to have yeah. something up my butt. <laughs> anyway, what's your Beautifully exa- put. <laughs> what's your example? Um, I really want to talk about the sex scene in But I'm a Cheerleader. Yes. Because given the rating of that film, I think it's a 15 here. Mm. I'm not sure what it is in the States. But the scene is between Graham and Megan. 
and they go off. I can't remember where exactly they are. I think they're in the doghouse. It's weird. <laughs> like these are these are for those people that don't know. But I'm a cheerleader, cheerleader, <laughs> cheerleader. Uh, these girls meet at a um, degayification camp. Mm-hmm. The film is a comedy. <laughs> I know we've mentioned it before, but the scene of these two. Uh, having sex of what you see of it um, it's very focused on the and it's actually very I don't want to say overly lit but it kind of is but it's almost this I'm trying to think what the word it's very soft lit and it's not like soft focus like porno movie soft focus but it's very they're almost washed out and it looks almost angelic I guess mm. and I don't want the way I'm describing this to come across like they're being infantilized. Because it's very clearly an intimate moment between, and it does lots of focus on hands and lips, and it's the it's definitely Megan's first time having sex with anybody. Yeah, and because she's, uh, we talked about it earlier in the movie how she's never even enjoyed kissing her boyfriend before. Just like, honey, <laughs> Harold, <laughs> um, but and just like they they're both fully dressed the whole time. They have like their night clothes on. But there is such a, you feel the connection these two girls are having and the music playing. And I always, whenever I think of the song that's playing in that moment, mm. I always think of that scene. It always feels, I always associate it with sex, but of that kind of very soft, young connection. Mm. And I think, um, I think they say I love you during it and Megan might say something else, but it's beautiful and lovely and maybe one of the first queer sex scenes I saw. Yeah. But I will always hold that in very sort of dear to my heart. And perhaps for some people it's a bit too cutesy Mm. and it's a bit too romantic. But for me, that remains a really pivotal example. Like with almost every single topic we've ever discussed, Uh there just needs to be more. So that nothing has to have the burden of being everything everything. yeah like i might have sounded a little bit like sex is bad when it's just about getting off which isn't the case that sometimes sex when you're just trying to get off is really good (laughs) yeah um and showing sex like that is not bad no 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 i just think um there's a lot more ways to show and only showing one way is bad look sex can be hurried and animalistic and primal sex can be sweet and romantic sex can be funny as all hell if you've never laughed having sex Mm. i really don't know what to tell you i mean it's possible that you're not somebody like me who has fallen off the bed mid-coitus more than once in their life it remains funny every time um there's this film that i think some gays have seen but we don't really talk about because i don't know if it's very good but it's Uh uh-huh we a lot of people come to the point where they watch this yeah short bus okay i've heard of it it is infamous for having completely unsimulated sex scenes oh right it's not necessarily a porn film Uh um it is a it's like a comedy drama yeah all the sex is totally real all right and there is a scene involving a threesome which ends with all three of them singing We Are The Champions using each other's erect penises as microphones. <laughs> oh and like, my God. 
that is the scene <laughs> and it's pretty hot <laughs> like yeah. it's really weird yeah but like Scenes can be like that. Yeah, uh, there's a film that came out this year that I really want to see, and it's on my Netflix list, and it's mm. on UK Netflix called Duck Butter. Oh God, yes. Yeah, um, it's a experimental comedy film um, from a screenplay by um, Miguel Areta and Elias Shawkat, mm-hmm. who appears in it. And originally, it was written to have a guy and a girl. They changed it, and it's between two ladies, mm-hmm. and they meet at a bar. Or a club, sorry. And they decide to get to know each other by having sex every hour on the hour. <laughs> I don't know how much time they spend. That is literally what they decide to do. Just wow. like, let's get to know each other. Let's have sex every hour. And, like, they do lots of different kinds of sex. And I think they have one of the times involved is involves a threesome. Mm-hmm. I will watch it and let people know what I thought of it. <laughs> but, yeah. Nice. So. Um, we received some examples, although... I, have I think to we've say, mentioned them we've all. We've pretty much covered all of them. I just think we'll cred- give credit where credit's due. Yes. Um, on the Facebook group, um, it was Joe that uh, sought about best one ever is the end of Sense8. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Singer shouted out the sex scene in Weekend for feeling both uh, uh, em- uh, genuinely emotional and also physically real. It felt good. Yeah. Um, it was Hannah's that said... Um, worth mentioning call me by your name but we weren't sure if in a positive or negative way yeah the um three dots afterwards makes me think more negative but. um uh, we already mentioned melpis which trender giving the shout out to the thimble scene in the handmaiden and, and drag wrong on twitter um was uh, mentioned american gods and um, we also got a statement uh, from ellen who commented that uh, least favourite tropes around queer women having sex is the cutting to black thing or making it really serious and beautiful, like the women are lovely objects to be admired and kind of uh, want to, about wanting to see normal women having normal sex and being allowed to be sexy, fun, explicit, clumsy, not always perfect, just like cishet people. Um, I think, yeah, maybe check out Duck Butter because my understanding is a little bit of a... I hate the expression when it comes to sex, but warts and all. Mm. But, like... Look, it's a gross thing to say, but I also, like, I remember the, the first time seeing a condom being taken off. Mm. That's, that's real. Having to clean up afterwards, dealing with, like, the wet spot, stuff like mm. that, or people go, well, I really need to go pee now. Like, I'm not saying there isn't a place for beautifully lit stuff, but also just, like, sex is a real thing, and sometimes it's gross. Yeah. Often it's very funny. I mean, uh, sometimes things get bent the wrong way and you have to stop. <laughs> you get a cramp in your thigh part way through. You're just like, i got to like rub my leg until sometimes, I can move again. Sometimes can sex can be like disappointing slash regretful. Yes. But it not be bad. Bad. Like yep. sometimes just like that wasn't very really good, was it? Yeah. Like, sometimes sex is just a bit like, eh, OK. <laughs> Better like next time, champ. High five each other. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Just a thing. Um, so thank you for that um, deep dive <laughs> into the whole. Um, insert muff diving gag here question mark as we mentioned on our last episode um, things are drawing to a close yeah Um, we want to make the last two episodes super super fun yes Um, so our next one is going to be a big question answer Uh, we know we've done this many many times but really think about this being your last chance it's an AMA people yeah Um, it can be personal it can be about the show it can be about topics we've never covered Topics we have. Will you feel, miss, feel yeah. we missed something? Might have changed our minds. Yeah. Um, please send them in to boxuncluded at gmail.com or via social media at Twitter or Tumblr 
or on our Facebook page, which is still going to be open when we finish, um, which is also Box Not Included on Facebook. Um, it's also private and full of great queer minds who uh, sent us those recommendations today. Mm-hmm. You can also contact us directly. I am at Hamish Steele. I'm at Jade Oxford Rose. And as always, we want to thank Graham Waller, Audio Overlord and Master of the Soundwaves for our theme music and helping produce the podcast. But until next time, I'm Jade Rose. I'm Hamish Steele. And don't let anyone box you in. Mm-hmm.